Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Um, in October, we have journeyed through uh, kind of a, a short little series called Transformed, looking at the lives of people in Scripture who have experienced change, who've changed their lives, said, uh, instead of going this way, I'm going to go this way. In, in the following of Christ and in, in their journey with God, um, have made changes in their lives. We start with the, the character of Paul in the New Testament, one who uh, just had a, a, an incredible transformation story uh, where he was persecuting those who were following uh, the way, following Jesus Christ, um, and, and was transformed um, and became a missionary, became a bringer of the gospel to distant lands. Um, last week, we, or two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the person of Esther uh, in the Old Testament and her story of change, the opportunity that she had, even despite her, her broken story, um, to care for her people uh, and to, uh, to rise up. Debbie last week shared with us uh, about Mary Magdalene um, and a, a great picture of, of this woman who was valued by Christ and transformed by him in his interaction with her. A picture of these lives that were transformed. Um, and that's what we're, we're spending time in October doing. was thinking this week about some of us who, who've been in the church a long time. Maybe you've attended church since you were born. You know, you, you, weren't, you weren't born in the church, but within seven days, you were, you were already there. Um, and that's, that's some of our stories. We've been in the church a long time. Some of us don't have these big, massive transformation stories. Like, my life was so broken, or I was, I was against the gospel in these ways, and, and now... God has changed me, and now I follow him. Some of us don't have those stories. I'm one, I'm one, of, those, one of those kids who was kind of raised in the church. Um, but I just want to say that, that in that, we're not, we're not missing anything. We're, our, our, our testimony isn't broken. Uh, we're not missing out on anything to have that story. That story of, of lifelong faithfulness, enduring with God, is a great and beautiful and wonderful testimony. Um, and, and that not all of our lives have this massive transformation. It's just a different type of journey. And yet we all have this opportunity as we encounter Christ to be transformed. Today we're looking at a story which resembles more that kind of story as we look to Scripture. So I'm going to invite you today to turn to the book of Acts. Uh, we'll be in Acts today, chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Or if you have a device that you uh, reference the Scripture on, you can Go to Acts chapter 8. We'll be starting in verse 26 and reading through verse 39. Um, out of the reverence of the reading of God's word, I invite you to stand if you're willing and able as we read from Acts this morning. 
Acts chapter 8, starting in 26 through verse 39, reading today from the Common English Bible. An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip, At noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he did. Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way home from Jerusalem, where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Candace is the title given to the Ethiopian queen. He was reading the prophet Isaiah while sitting in his carriage. The spirit told Philip, approach this carriage and stay with it. (laughs) Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man speaking the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you are reading? The man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. This was the passage of scripture he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants? Because his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, about whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Starting with that passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. As they went down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water, what would keep me from being baptized? He ordered that the carriage halt. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water where Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Lord's spirit suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. Uh, for a number of years before I had this role, I was a youth pastor um, and uh, did crazy things and uh, enjoyed that season of ministry. I'm now old and no longer cool. I still love hanging out with students, but uh, I'm no longer, well, you're in my youth group now. So um, if you feel like a teenager, you're in the right place. So um, we're just all a little in denial. Um, in the youth group that I had in Centralia, I, I had, I, I had a, a kid that joined our group. He was kind of a rough kid. Um, he came into our, our youth group by the, by the method of dating evangelism. <laughs> Don't recommend it. Um, he, he, he wasn't a Christian, and he started dating one of the girls in the youth group. And so I, that's not an official program called dating evangelism. It's just sometimes what happens. And this was, that was this kid's story. But he got committed. He gave his life to Christ. He committed his life to following Christ, connected to church. He got baptized. Uh, eventually signed on in the youth group to ministry teams, began to serve the kids in our, our, our youth group and began to, to serve outside the youth group. He, he was the kind of kid that would, that would hold signs on the main strip of town saying, I love Jesus, and just stand there for an hour or two with no real reason other than wanting to say, this is part of my life. Uh, they broke up. He stayed at church because of the hope that he had found there and eventually would go to school um, for ministry. Uh, and, and his life was just kind of radically transformed um, by Jesus. There, there are these big stories, the drug, drug addict that, that's set free from his addiction, the criminal who gets out and in 
Her life of freedom begins a, a, a prison ministry. The one with no hope beginning to offer hope to those who don't have any. But for a lot of us, maybe even most of us, our transformation looks a little different. Our, our, our transformation is, is this long, long series of micro changes, of small adjustments in our lives, little corrections, little changes to the course that we are on. And I think for, for our story today, that the man that we encounter, that we read about in Acts chapter 8, that's this man's story, the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, we're not, we're not told a lot about this man. Uh, we're told his ethnicity, Ethiopia. Uh, it's, it's strange because that, that locale is still used today. We have an Ethiopia on the map, on the world map today. Um, in, in that day, Ethiopia was kind of the region that was, was south of Egypt. Okay, so Egypt was a, was a state, a nation state at that time, and, and Ethiopia was even further south than that. Um, certainly on the African continent, and, and more than likely this man had very dark skin compared to the, the near and Middle Eastern skin colors uh, that were around Israel at the time. So this man had a separate ethnicity, looked different than the world in which Philip and the disciples would have lived. Uh, we get a we get a, a peek about uh, uh, who he was and who this man was in his sexuality too. In, in the word eunuch, um, no hint of 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 this in the text, but had to be a, a heavy burden to bear. No heritage, no means to grow a family, no no um, family connections that he had in that status. Um. This, third thing that we we get a picture of is that he had some element of trust, some element of status in the world from which he came. He was trusted. He was a member of the queen's treasury and a member of her court, a trusted person, a a person of integrity, a person that could be trusted by the queen of Ethiopia. Another thing we can infer about this man is, is that he had a belief and he had faith already as a part of his life. He had been traveling to Jerusalem. He had been traveling to the temple to worship. Um, and, and that his faith already existed, that he had encountered Yahweh. And he was reading Isaiah. He was reading these Old Testament texts, struggling to understand, but with a desire to do so. Have you ever looked at the Bible and struggled to understand it? I have. That's me. I'm okay in that. I can, I, I'm, I'm secure in saying there are some really difficult parts to read and to understand. And in those moments, I hope, that, I hope that you use some lifelines, right? Phone a friend, take a class, read a book, something. Um, ways in which we expose ourselves to growth when we encounter things that we just simply don't understand. Well, when we, when we peel back the, this book that we're looking at today, the book of Acts, and view it in its own terms, we begin to see the purpose of this story in the book of Acts. Okay? We see in, the, in, in chapter 8 this progression as a fulfillment of the author's reason for writing the book of Acts. I'm going to rewind just a little bit and talk a little bit about the book of Acts. Okay, In Acts chapter 1, 
Jesus is talking. Jesus is talking right before he leaves, right before he's ascended. And I know some of you are flipping back to Acts 1 right now. That's okay. We can, we can, we can do that. Jesus looks last words as he's, as he's ascended into the sky. He says this, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. All of Acts is about the witness of God's people to the person of Jesus Christ. But he specifies where. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. You guys remember that? I memorized that one when I was going through quizzing. So I don't know if you guys ever memorized that one. But this huge calling on our lives as the people of God, what are we to do? We are to be the witnesses for Christ to the ends of the earth. Well, what happens in the book of Acts? Well, first of all, in, in Acts 1, they kind of, well, they see Jesus go, and then they have to replace Judas. Judas had betrayed Jesus, and they wanted a 12th disciple, so they do that. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit comes, right? There's the mountain home wind that shakes the house, and then um, 3,000 converts are added to their number that day. The chapter 3 talks about the healing, that the ministry of Jesus. They, the author of Acts also wrote Luke, and Luke had been this testimony of Jesus' work while he was here on earth. Acts chapter 3 says that work continues. Peter and John say, silver and gold, I don't have, but what I have, I give you, get up and walk. And the ministry of Christ continued there. Um, in, in chapter 4, they get in trouble. <laughs> They're like, hey, what are you doing? They're like, I just have to share what God has given me. And so they're, they're kind of called before the religious leaders and questioned, eventually released. In chapter 5, the Jews in Jerusalem kind of begin to harass them because they're like, hey, you're teaching something different than what we'd always been taught. This isn't, this isn't simpatico with what, with what we teach. So the Jews kind of get antsy with the work that the disciples are doing. Chapter 6, Stephen gets arrested. In chapter 7, there's a trial, stoning of, of Stephen. Um, all of this happening where? In Jerusalem. The, the, in Acts, this is the start of the witness of the, of the people of God in Jerusalem, that first step that Jesus had given them. Well, now we turn to chapter 8. Look at the very top of chapter 8. It talks about being in Judea and Samaria. That second step is the first uh, uh, half of, of chapter 8. And the scattering, the, 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 the people of God, those who follow Jesus, begin to, to migrate out away, radiate out from the center of Jerusalem into Judea and into Samaria. And now we have this story about this man from the ends of the earth who looked different, spoke different, and yet still was following after God. And here, Philip has the chance to say, let me help you understand. There's a lot of commentators as they look at this passage about the Ethiopian that really focus on his ethnicity and, and focus on the fact that he was a eunuch. And they talk about how he would have been excluded from the temple. He was a faithful worshiper. He had, he had uh, pilgrimaged to Jerusalem to, to learn more and to be devout in his Jewish worship. And yet he would have been excluded from different portions of the temple, likely only been admitted to the, the very outer courts of the temple in Jerusalem. But he was faithful. 
And while that's true, and while that's, there's, there's, a, there's a message there about how those who had been excluded now today by Christ are included, that's really not the highlight that I want to point out today. What seems more important that this man represents the ends of the earth, the edge of the known world for civilization there in Israel. And the author will take some time um, right after this to talk about Saul's conversion, right? We talked about that. Um, And then in chapter 10 and half of 11, he talks about how the message was then brought to the Gentile people, Acts 10 and 11. Um, Faith coming to the Gentiles and the message of Christ was unleashed for the world. But what about this man? What about this Ethiopian Barbara Brown Taylor makes these observations. This this man was likely wealthy. (laughs) Likely wealthy. Working for the queen, working in the treasury for the queen. Wealthy enough to ride in a chariot (laughs) to Jerusalem from Ethiopia, south of Egypt. That's That's not a short trip. That's not a short trip. And yet he he rode in style along this way. Second, he was educated. Educated enough to read the prophet Isaiah. Educated enough to, uh, to, to have a text and to be able to read it and to study it on his own. He was devout. Devout in his worship. Enough to study Isaiah. Enough to look to that text. Enough to say, what does this mean? How does this apply to me? I hope when you read the scripture, I hope when you read the Bible, that's a question that you ask. What does this have for me in my life? Fourth, he was humble. (laughs) Humble. Humble enough to ask for help. Humble enough to say, how could I understand unless I have someone to help me? Humble enough to ask for help in interpretation to this complete stranger. And he was hospitable. Hospitable enough to invite this stranger, this (laughs) talkative pedestrian, into his chariot. I don't recommend this. <laughs> if you see a pedestrian, he tends to be talkative and comes up and asks you a question. I don't, I don't recommend you invite that person into your car unless the Holy Spirit guides you. Um, but wealthy, educated, devout, humble, and hospitable. This man was remarkable. But what's also remarkable is this two-way inclusion inclusion that we encounter. Philip is inclusive enough to, to run up to this chariot. I love it. The Holy Spirit says, go up to the chariot. He's like, okay. You know, he's not, he's not subtle here. He's not, not going to play it cool. Yes, I will. Lead me. <laughs> Philip is inclusive enough to run up to this chariot at the direction of the Holy Spirit to do some holy eavesdropping and to inquire. This man of status and wealth and knowledge returns the favor. How can I? How can I understand? And invites Philip to offer instruction and counsel. Even into his chariot, Philip is invited. And it's in this moment that the life changes for the Ethiopian man. This isn't a drastic change. This isn't, this isn't he was headed one way and, and hating the Jews and persecuting them and he turned his life around. He was already in the rhythm of worship, already following Yahweh. But he began to understand and recognize the person of Jesus in his life. 
If there's a, a verse in this passage that I wish was a little longer, it's verse 35. I wish it was longer. I wish we heard a little bit about what Philip said. All it says is starting with that passage, the passage that he had been reading in Isaiah, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to this man. What did he talk about? What would you have talked about? Did he talk about his arrival in Bethlehem? Did he talk about the story of him uh, at age 12 in the temple where he had begun to, to meet with the leaders there and ask questions? Did he talk about the calling of the disciples, the healings and the exorcisms? Surely he didn't leave out the, the sham of the trial that Jesus faced and Jesus' quiet resolve not to defend himself, but to walk the road marked out for him that led Jesus to the cross. But there's, there's one thing we're sure he talked about. <laughs> there's one thing we're sure he's talked about. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there was a voice of one calling in the wilderness saying, make way for the one who comes after me. I, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. That John the Baptist had been in the wilderness and Jesus had gone and Jesus had responded Jesus went to this man saying, this is my time to be baptized by you. Imagine Jesus being that humble. And, and as he's baptized, the skies kind of part, the spirit says, descends like a dove and a voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am uh, well pleased. Undoubtedly, he had, he had talked about what had happened since, since Jesus had left, right? The coming of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, here we are. This is the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost. On the church calendar, they keep marking Pentecost. Why? Because we're in the spirit, we're in the season of following after the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit stays with us. The Spirit had come. The wind shook the house. People heard preaching in their own tongues. Peter preached the news about Jesus. And it says what? Those who heard and believed were baptized. And it says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the man's transformation. This new lesson, this new idea, this new way of framing faith. That As he turned to Isaiah and read this passage we see the reflections of Jesus Christ. And Philip took the time. Philip took the time to explain them. And what does it say the man did? He says, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Why, let's go ahead. Let's do this. I'm in. Not, not that my life's totally turned around. Not that I need a total shift from heading this way to heading this way. But he says, I'm serious. I want this Christ. I want to be baptized into this faith. Look, here's water. Let's, let's do this. Philip finds no reason to withhold it from him. Saying, yes, it, respond this way. He had been faithful. He had known Worship as Yahweh, worship to Yahweh, even from the margins, even as a foreigner, even with black skin and an altered body, all the way from below the country of Egypt. But with the help of Philip, with the help of a guide, with the help of someone who had a little more knowledge, 
had understood in Isaiah a whole new concept of who this sheep was that was silently led to the slaughter. A silent lamb led to the shearer. And I believe it was in that moment that, that a marker was driven down into the ground for this man in his faith. This was a point when Jesus became real. This was the point when, when the Old Testament scriptures began to, to come alive for him that he had studied for a period of time. And he marked it with this ritual of baptism. Stating for those that were there, his attendants, those that would have, would have been in his entourage as he went, took this chariot on this long journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. This was a new day. <laughs> I'm going to get baptized by this talkative pedestrian. Let's do it. Let's hop in the water. And, and I, was, I was kind of pondering on how to, how to close out this service. And, and I'll tell you what I almost did. I didn't do it. I'll tell you what I almost did. I almost just filled up our baptismal pool. <laughs> and, and, and had it out this Sunday. I almost stood on this stage and said, you know what? Some of you haven't made that decision. Some of you aren't there. Why not? There's water. Let's do this. Some of you haven't made that declaration and we're going to take our cue from, the, from Philip and this Ethiopian. And we called you out and said, come on, I know you didn't prepare, I know you don't have a dry set of clothes, but come on, let's, let's get baptized. Almost did. I didn't do that. Instead, we're going to have baptisms next week. We're going to have baptisms next week. I mean, it's going to be a family Sunday, so the kids are going to be with us. They'll get to participate with us. If you're like this man, a person of faith, but who just hasn't ever been baptized, there's people who go many years following Jesus Christ and never make that choice. I'm telling you, next week is your chance. Next week is your chance. And we're going to celebrate with those people uh, your day to, to, next week to state before our congregation and before God, I love you and I choose to follow after you. I will follow your example. Christ was baptized himself. Or perhaps this is all new. Perhaps this journey of faith, the walking with Christ is new for you. And as you have, you've begun to understand what it means to follow him. This too is your chance to say, I choose Christ both now, today, and tomorrow, and for the rest of my life. So on Wednesday night, we're going to have a, a, a baptism class. Philip didn't break into a, a class where they sat on tables, and yet he really understood. It took time to help the man understand how the scriptures pointed to Jesus. And I believe that he, he witnessed about what baptism meant and talked about those 3,000 that chose to be baptized that day in, uh, in Acts chapter 2. So we're going to have a class this, this Wednesday night starting at 7 p.m. If you're interested in getting baptized, you can come. If you can't make the class and you still want to get baptized, talk to me, contact me, um, and we'll, we'll figure out a way to, to get you through that content before, before next Sunday. Um, but let's do this. Next week, there's going to be water right there. Look, there's water. Why don't, why don't we get baptized right here, right now? I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. Um, the rest of today, uh, we're, we're going to um, sing a closing song. 
um, and celebrate the work that God has done. But I think this, that this man and Philip's response to him has a lesson for us. Not that our lives have to totally turn around. Not that we have this amazing story of, man, I was against the church. I hated the church. I worked against it. I thought all those people were crazy who followed Jesus. But now I give my life. This man was faithful. This man was devout. And he heard from Philip the testimony of Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ represented for us a new understanding, not only of the book of Isaiah, but the whole journey of faith. And he said, this is the day. I want to make a change. I want to drive a marker into the ground. And that's what baptism can become for us. I invite the rest of you, even if you're not going to get baptized, it's going to be a party. And so we need people to party with. There's no... uh, It's one of my favorite celebrations in the life of the church when someone makes that choice to say choose to follow Jesus now, today, and for all my days. And I invite you to come back and celebrate with those who make that choice. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for today. Thank you for this story of of a man who was so committed to his faith that he traveled hundreds of miles to worship you. That on his own, he dove into the scriptures, began to study In realizing his own need, he invited himself to be taught by the talkative pedestrian. And who was so serious about what he discovered about the person of Jesus Christ, he said, here's water. Let's get baptized. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Lord, sometimes we make it kind of complicated. And sometimes it's just real simple. Help us to understand the simplicity of that kind of faith. And for those who make that choice next week, whether it's one or whether it's 3,000, we will celebrate with them and we will rejoice with you for you are the God who helps us change, who helps transform our lives. Thank you for the chance to worship you today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, I'd like to offer a benediction today. So uh, as a physical reminder that we receive this, I invite you to hold out your hands as we conclude. My prayer for us today is this. Teach us. Teach us to listen to you, to your spirit like Philip. Teach, uh, Teach us to embrace your word and have these moments of transformation, both big and small, just like this Ethiopian man did. And may you, our lives be forever changed by our decision to follow you. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.